Welcome to Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Visit our website at jabberaudio.com support to learn more or go to patreon.com slash team jabberwocky. The following audio theater is rated ADG for general audiences. Jabberwocky Audio Theater presents Through the Looking Glass. Jack and the Beanstalk. Today's story comes from a version published in the Red Fairy Book, edited by Andrew Lang, and published in 1890. Once upon a time, there was a poor widow who lived in a little cottage with her only son, Jack. Jack was a giddy, thoughtless boy, but very kind-hearted and affectionate. There had been a hard winter, and after it his mother had suffered from fever. Jack did no work as yet, and by degrees they grew dreadfully poor. The widow saw that there was no means of keeping Jack and herself from starvation, but by selling her cow. So one morning she said to her son, I am too weak to go myself, Jack, so you must take the cow to market for me and sell her. Jack liked the idea of going to market to sell the cow very much, but as he was on the way, he met a butcher who had some beautiful beans in his hand. Jack stopped to look at them, and the butcher told the boy that they were of great value and persuaded the silly lad to sell the cow for these beans. When he brought them home to his mother instead of the money she expected for her nice cow, she was very vexed and shed many tears, scolding Jack for his folly. He was very sorry, and mother and son went to bed very sadly that night, their last hope seemingly gone. At daybreak, Jack rose and went out to the garden. At least, he thought, I will sow the wonderful beans. Mother says that they are just common scarlet runners and nothing else, but I may as well sow them. So he took a piece of stick and made some holes in the ground and put in the beans. That day they had very little dinner and went sadly to bed, knowing that for the next day there would be none. Jack, unable to sleep from grief and vexation, got up at day-dawn and went out into the garden. What was his amazement to find that the beans had grown up in the night and climbed up and up till they covered the high cliff that sheltered the cottage and disappeared above it. The stalks had twined and twisted themselves together till they formed quite a ladder. It would be easy to climb it, thought Jack. And having thought of the experiment, he at once resolved to carry it out, for Jack was a good climber. However, after his late mistake about the cow, he thought he had better consult his mother first. So Jack called his mother, and they both gazed in silent wonder at the beanstalk, which was not only of great height, but was thick enough to bear Jack's weight. I wonder where it ends, said Jack to his mother. I think I'll climb up and see. His mother wished him not to venture up this strange ladder, but Jack coaxed her to give her consent to the attempt, for he was certain there must be something wonderful at the top of that beanstalk. So at last, she yielded to his wishes. Jack instantly began to climb and went up 
and up on the ladder like Beanstalk till everything he had left behind him, the cottage, the village, and even the tall church tower looked quite little, and still he could not see the top. Jack felt tired and thought for a moment that he would go back again, but he was a very persevering boy, and he knew that the way to succeed in anything is not to give up. So after resting for a moment, he went on. After climbing higher and higher till he grew afraid to look down for fear he should be giddy, Jack at last reached the top of the beanstalk. And lo, he found himself in a beautiful country, finely wooded with beautiful meadows covered with sheep. A crystal stream ran through the pastures. Not far from the place where he had got off the beanstalk stood a fine, strong castle. Jack wondered very much that he had never heard of or seen this castle before, but when he reflected on the subject, he saw that it was as much separated from the village by the perpendicular rock on which it stood as if it were in another land. While Jack was standing looking at the castle, a very strange-looking woman came out of the wood and advanced towards him. She wore a pointed cap of quilted red satin turned up with ermine, her hair streamed loose over her shoulders, and she walked with a staff. Jack took off his cap and made her a bow. If you please, ma'am, said he, is this your house? No, said the old lady. Listen, and I will tell you the story of that castle. Once upon a time, there was a noble knight who lived in this castle, which is on the borders of Fairyland. He had a fair and beloved wife and several lovely children, and as his neighbors, the little people were very friendly towards him. They bestowed on him many excellent and precious gifts. Rumor whispered of these treasures, and a monstrous giant who lived at no great distance and who was a very wicked being resolved to obtain possession of them. So he bribed a false servant to let him inside the castle when the knight was in bed and asleep, and he killed him as he lay. Then he went to the part of the castle which was the nursery, and also killed all the poor little ones he found there. Happily for her, the lady was not to be found. She had gone with her infant son, who was only two or three months old, to visit her old nurse who lived in the valley, and she had been detained all night there by a storm. The lady was warned by a servant who chanced to escape the castle and remained at her nurse's house as the best place of concealment for the servant told her that the giant had vowed if he could find her, he would kill both her and her baby. Years rolled on. The old nurse died, leaving her cottage and the few articles of furniture it contained to her poor lady, who dwelt in it, working as a peasant for her daily bread. Her spinning wheel and the milk of a cow which she had purchased with the little money she had with her sufficed for the scanty subsistence of herself and her little son. Jack, that poor lady is your mother. This castle was once your father's and must again be yours. 
Jack uttered a cry of surprise. My mother? Oh, madam, what ought I to do? My poor father, my dear mother! Your duty requires you to win it back for your mother, but the task is a very difficult one and full of peril, Jack. Have you courage to undertake it? I fear nothing when I'm doing it right, said Jack. Then, said the lady in the red cap, you are one of those who slay giants. You must get into the castle, and if possible, possess yourself of a hen that lays golden eggs, and a harp that talks. Remember, all the giant possesses is really yours. As she ceased speaking, the lady of the red hat suddenly disappeared, and with that, Jack knew she was a fairy. Jack determined at once to attempt the adventure, so he advanced and blew the horn which hung at the castle portal. The door was opened in a minute or two by a frightful giantess with one great eye in the middle of her forehead. As soon as Jack saw her, he turned to run away, but she caught him and dragged him into the castle. Ho, oh, oh, ho, she laughed terribly. You didn't expect to see me here, that is clear. No, I shan't let you go again. I'm weary of my life. I am so overworked, and I don't see why I should not have a page as well as other ladies. And you shall be my boy. You shall clean the knives, and black the boots, and make the fires, and help me generally when the giant is out. When he is at home, I must hide you, for he has eaten up all my pages hitherto, and you would be a dainty morsel, my little lad. I'm quite ready to help you, and do all I can to serve you, madam, he said. Only I beg you will be good enough to hide me from your husband, for I should not like to be eaten at all. That is a good boy, said the giantess, nodding her head. It is lucky for you that you did not scream out when you saw me, as the other boys who have been here did, for if you had done so, my husband would have awakened and have eaten you as he did them for breakfast. Come here, child. Go into my wardrobe. He never ventures to open that. You will be safe there. And she opened a huge wardrobe which stood in the great hall and shut him into it. But the keyhole was so large that it admitted plenty of air and he could see everything that took place through it. By and by he heard a heavy tramp on the stairs, like the lumbering along of a great cannon. And then a voice, like thunder, cried out, Fee-fi-fo-fum! I smell the breath of an Englishman. Let him be alive or let him be dead. I'll grind his bones to make my bread. Wife, cried the giant, there is a man in the castle. Let me have him for breakfast. You are grown old and stupid, cried the giantess in her loud tone. It is only a nice fresh steak off an elephant that I have cooked for you, which you smell. There, sit down and make a good breakfast. And she placed a huge dish before him of savory, steaming meat, which greatly pleased him and made him forget his idea of an Englishman being in the castle. When he had breakfasted, he went out for a walk, 
and then the giantess opened the door and made Jack come out to help her. He helped her all day. She fed him well, and when evening came, put him back in the wardrobe. Later, the giant came in to supper. Jack watched him through the keyhole and was amazed to see him put half a fowl at a time into his capacious mouth. When the supper was ended, he bade his wife bring him his hen that laid the golden eggs. It lays as well as it did when it belonged to that paltry knight, he said. Indeed, I think the eggs are heavier than ever. The giantess went away and soon returned with a little brown hen, which she placed on the table before her husband. And now, my dear, she said, I'm going for a walk if you don't want me any longer. Go, said the giant. I shall be glad to have a nap by and by. Then he took up the brown hen and said to her, Lay! And she instantly laid a golden egg. Lay! said the giant again. And she laid another. Lay! He repeated the third time, and again a golden egg lay on the table. Now Jack was sure this hen was that of which the fairy had spoken. By and by, the giant put the hen down on the floor, and soon after went fast asleep, snoring so loud that it sounded like thunder. Directly, Jack perceived that the giant was fast asleep. He pushed open the door of the wardrobe and crept out. Very softly, he stole across the room, and picking up the hen, made haste to quit the apartment. He knew the way to the kitchen, where he found the door ajar. Thereby he opened it, shut and locked it after him, and flew back to the beanstalk, which he descended as fast as his feet would move. When his mother saw him enter the house, she wept for joy for she had feared that the fairies had carried him away or that the giant had found him. But Jack put the brown hen down before her and told her how he had been in the giant's castle and all his adventures. She was very glad to see the hen, which would make them rich once more. One day, Jack made another journey up the beanstalk to the giant's castle while his mother had gone to market to sell the hen's marvelous eggs. But first, he dyed his hair and disguised himself. The giantess soon opened the door, truth be told she thought most human boys looked alike, and did not know him again, but she stopped a minute before she took him in. She feared another robbery, but Jack's fresh face looked so innocent that she could not resist him, and so she bade him come in and again hid him away in the wardrobe. By and by, the giant came home, and as soon as he had crossed the threshold, he roared out, Fee-fi-fo-fum! I smell the breath of an Englishman. Let him be alive, or let him be dead. I'll grind his bones to make my bread. You stupid old giant, said his wife. You only smell a nice sheep, which I have grilled for your dinner. And the giant sat down, and his wife brought up a whole sheep for his dinner. When he had eaten it all up, he said, Now bring me my harp, and I will have a little music while you take your walk. The giantess obeyed, and returned with a beautiful harp. The framework was all sparkling with diamonds and rubies, and the strings were all of gold. 
This is one of the nicest things I took from the night, said the giant. I'm very fond of music, and my harp is a faithful servant. So he drew the harp towards him and said, Play! And the harp played a very soft, sad air. Play something merrier, said the giant, and the harp played a merry tune. Now play me a lullaby, roared the giant, and the harp played a sweet lullaby, to the sound of which its master fell asleep. Then Jack stole softly out of the wardrobe and went into the huge kitchen to see if the giantess had gone out. He found no one there, so he went to the door and opened it softly, for he thought he could not do so with the harp in his hand. Then he entered the giant's room and seized the harp and ran away with it. But as he jumped over the threshold, the harp called out, Master! Master! And the giant woke up. With a tremendous roar, he sprang from his seat and in two strides had reached the door. But Jack was very nimble. He fled like lightning with the harp, talking to it as he went, for he saw it was a fairy and telling it he was the son of its old master, the knight. Still, the giant came out so fast that he was quite close to poor Jack and had stretched out his great hand to catch him. But luckily, just at that moment, he stepped upon a loose stone, stumbled, and fell flat on the ground where he lay at his full length. This accident gave Jack time to get on the beanstalk and hasten down it. But just as he reached their own garden, he beheld the giant descending after him. Mother! Mother! cried Jack. Make haste and give me the axe! His mother ran to him with a hatchet in her hand, and Jack, with one tremendous blow, cut through all the vines of the beanstalk, save one. Now, mother, stand out of the way, said he. Jack's mother shrank back, and it was well she did so, for just as the giant took hold of the last branch of the beanstalk, Jack cut the stem quite through and darted from the spot. Down came the giant with a terrible crash, and as he fell on his head, he broke his neck and lay dead at the feet of the woman he had so much injured. Before Jack and his mother had recovered from their alarm and agitation, a beautiful lady stood before them. Jack, said she, you have acted like a brave knight's son and deserve to have your inheritance restored to you. Dig a grave and bury the giant and then go and kill the giantess. But said Jack. I could not kill anyone unless I were fighting with him, and I could not draw my sword upon a woman. Moreover, the giantess was very kind to me. The fairy smiled on Jack. I am very much pleased with your generous feeling, she said. Nevertheless, return to the castle and act as you will find needful. Jack asked the fairy if she would show him the way to the castle, as the beanstalk was now down. She told him that she would drive him there in her chariot, which was drawn by two peacocks. Jack thanked her and sat down in the chariot with her. The fairy drove him a long distance round till they reached a village which lay at the bottom of the hill. Here they found a number of miserable-looking men assembled. The fairy stopped her carriage and addressed them. My friends, she said, the cruel giant who oppressed you and ate up all your flocks and herds is dead, and this young gentleman was the means of your being delivered from him. 
and is the son of your kind old master, the knight. The men gave a loud cheer at these words and pressed forward to say that they would serve Jack as faithfully as they had served his father. The fairy bade them follow her to the castle, and they marched thither in a body, and Jack blew the horn and demanded admittance. The old giantess saw them coming from the turret loophole. She was very much frightened, for she guessed that something had happened to her husband, and as she came downstairs very fast, she caught her foot in her dress and fell from the top to the bottom and broke her neck. When the people outside found that the door was not open to them, they took crowbars and forced the portal. Nobody was to be seen, but on leaving the hall, they found the body of the giantess at the foot of the stairs. Thus Jack took possession of the castle. The fairy went and brought his mother to him with the hen and the harp. He had the giantess buried and endeavored as much as lay in his power to do right to those whom the giant had robbed. Before her departure for Fairyland, the fairy explained to Jack that she had sent the butcher to meet him with the beans in order to try what sort of lad he was. If you had looked at the gigantic beanstalk and only stupidly wondered about it, she said, I should have left you where misfortune had placed you, only restoring her cow to your mother. But you showed an inquiring mind and great courage and enterprise. Therefore, you deserve to rise. And when you mounted the beanstalk, you climbed the ladder of fortune. She then took her leave of Jack and his mother. For their part, Jack and his mother moved from their cottage to the castle of High, where they and the villages below lived happily and quite giant-free. You've been listening to Through the Looking Glass from Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. Today's presentation was Jack and the Beanstalk, a traditional English fairy tale, lightly adapted for radio by Bjorn Munson from Andrew Lang's version and read by Tom Kramer. Produced by Jabberwocky Audio Theatre, in association with Arlington Independent Media, WERALP, 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. Dialogue editing by Maurice Mulda, with final sound mix and mastering by William R. Coughlin. Post-production services provided by Tohu Bohu Productions, LLC. This recording is the property of Team Jabberwocky, LLC and may not be rebroadcast, retransmitted, or redistributed without express permission from Team J. For all the latest episodes and information on Jabberwocky Audio Theater, visit jabberaudio.com. If you're enjoying Through the Looking Glass and the other yarns we spin at Jabberwocky Audio Theater, be sure to subscribe and share. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash teamjabberwocky for exclusive content and to help us continue to bring you further tales of high adventure and mysterious suspense. Until next time, this is Kim Davenport saying 
Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next thrilling production from Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. Hast thou slain the Jabberwock? 